Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories. I see flashes. I think I had a life here. But I can't tell if it's real. I mean, we'll, we'll have to get to those thoughts poorly paced. Uh, on the car ride home, we were saying that, like, we might lean pretty heavily on you, Matt, on the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again. Well, actually, we're already recording, so we? We, we've already started it. Oh. Well, just for a few seconds, uh. um, if that's okay. Okay. When did you start recording? Just now. Okay. Welcome oh. to Age of Cinema. I'm Jack, <laughs> and with me tonight is the all-star mega hit lineup. That means Andrew's here. Yeah, welcome back, Andrew, to the Wages of Cinema podcast. It's applause, applause, applause. Uh, this place is awesome. Yeah. Place, I mean, podcast, of course. Yeah, I mean, you were one of the founders, so, you know, it's it's good I'm to like have... the Captain America of the Wages of Cinema. Yeah, you are. A little bit. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for humor. And you're, and you're still alive. You haven't been halved by uh, the snap. No, I have not. No, you have not. Uh, and of course, as with us is Corey. Wifely duties, Corey, checking in. Wifely duties, Corey, and with us, of course, guest star Matt. We call it the snapping. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot more of Mark Wahlberg, just like staring at things as like everything falls apart. Well, that's what Endgame is going to be. Spoiler alert. The first, well, it will be like the first like couple of seconds. I don't think the audiences will stand to just see like uh, things. We did get a Matt Damon uh, cameo in Thor Ragnarok, so why not? Yeah, I don't know what that relates to this. I forget it. All right, well, we're <laughs> I haven't here... warmed up. I'm still out of it. Yeah, My all right. Podcasting well... muscles. Yeah, you gotta flex back up into it. Recharge your hands and fists. You so... gotta reclaim. You've got to get a black belt in podcasting. <sighs> There you go. Yeah, it was bad enough. Regular black belt. Um, all right, Captain Marvel. Um, so initial thoughts. Uh, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I think it was fine too. <laughs> that makes three of us, right? I would Corey? also concur. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> My very short review is: I didn't like the beginning of this movie when she gets to Earth. It becomes good and fine. Just like all things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to come to Earth. I mean, it's a class... Uh, what did they classify the planet as? C-55 or something? C-53. Yeah, C-53. Yeah, I hate to see what C-52 looks like. such an Earth number. I guess <laughs> C-52 is... Oh, that's much better than us. Yeah, C-52 is the DC universe. C-53 uh, is pretty good, but it's not C-55. All right, but sorry, Corey. I so, it's really fine. Um... I'm mildly positive about it. My, yeah. It's not... But there's not a ton there there. And the other issue is that the things that this movie does well enough have been done in other Marvel movies I've, better. I've, I was feeling a lot of the... I've, I was really feeling some fatigue from this whole universe watching this movie. And that's not to say the movie's bad. I think it's pretty fun in certain spots let me talk to you about my feeling coming into this i uh i was gonna see captain marvel because uh, you guys invited me to come see it 
Yeah. And also I get to talk to you, the podcast listeners. How that's, you all, doing? that's always a good thing. Uh, but the, the thing is, is like, I was not excited about this movie. I didn't, I, I, I've, from what little I've seen of Captain Marvel as a character, I'm, I'm not particularly enthused with her. Uh, because she's a woman, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, we only have massages on this podcast. I, I, you know, I have no special love with Captain Marvel, the character. But I, but the thing, the other big thing that made me want to see this movie is because it is a Marvel movie. That, that's it's the brand. I mean, I, at this point, part of it for me is why stop now? Yeah, you kind know, of that. like I felt like. <laughs> You know, even if I even if I bailed on you guys, I would be like, well, why wouldn't I go see Captain Marvel? Like, I'm I want to see Avengers Endgame, and why would I miss something in between those things? Like, not that you have to see them, I assume, not that you have to see all the movies, but it's just like, you know, this might be good. Marvel's had a pretty good track record so far. They just they just had a Best Picture nominee at the Oscars, right? And then it's just like, well, I'm, I felt like I had an obligation to see it, which is kind of a weird thing to say about a movie. Now, yeah, no, it there is that part of it, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I also, I, I keep in mind, this has nothing to do with the quality of the film. This is just me talking about the context here. No, 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 because I had that, I had slightly similar context as well. I mean, I. Honestly, my problem, and I think Corey and I, we had a similar thing with this. When we watched the trailer, I just didn't really kind of fully grasp the plot. And I know that sounds like a very weird thing to complain about, but I mean, I kind of got, okay, uh, this woman comes to Earth, blockbuster videos there, and. She has to fight, like, people who are transforming, like, they can shapeshift. Um, but as far as, like, having some really clear set goal, like, you watch the Thor Ragnarok trailer, and you know Kate Blanchett is bad news. They're going to have to fight her. Um, I didn't even get that out of it, and so I, I didn't even understand the character. See, I had the opposite reaction to you, where I felt the trailers gave away too much of the movie, where I could see exactly where it was going, and I said, well, that's no fun, because they've already taken all the, the preemptive guesswork away from me that I know huh. exactly what I'm going to get when I go to the theater. Interesting. And did, did that go for certain uh, plot turns as well? Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> See, this is the difference between you, who are kind of like a genius about these things, and us, because I had very little familiarity with the character of Captain Marvel. I knew basically nothing about her. Not to be confused with the Captain Marvel that's a man and was once, uh, has the distinction of being the first comic book movie, if we want to call it that, because back in the 40s they had the serial. Serials don't count. Talking about Shazam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's its own conversation, man. Like, yeah, so there's a whole thing, by I the way. I don't want to get into an argument about Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel. <laughs> so I'm going to move us forward here. Yeah, because I, I was... I had the Let's in- talk about the good things about this movie. Okay, yeah. We've already started on a down note. Let's talk about what's good. Uh, well, Brie Larson, for one. Brie Larson is good alongside Samuel L. Jackson. I... I would qualify Brie Larson's... So you think actually she's not that great when it's just her? Like, when she has to do more dramatic lifting, like her scenes with Annette Bening? Yes. When she's trying to do, like, the superhero dialogue, where she's trying to be serious and say things and be dramatic... (laughs) When she's trying to say things. All right, that was dumb. (laughs) I'm going to try again. Uh, When she's trying to be dramatic, uh, she comes off a little stiff. 
when she's worked when she's alongside someone else and being comfortable and tr- and being funny, she's way better. That's a good that's a good point. Uh I mean, I still think that she's pretty decent in the dramatic stuff. I feel like part of the problem there though is that I could sense that she's really trying, but the material isn't giving her that much to work with. Like, mm. I thought that she... No, she is pretty solid to me. Samuel Jackson, I actually think, is quite good here. Yeah. yeah. And he it's also... So I, I could be wrong, but is this the most substantial time he's had in, like, a Marvel movie as Avengers far as... was the was the... the you had no, Avengers but, and you had Captain America Winter, Winter Soldier, where but, he had to do a lot in those two films. Yes, but... Avengers but I, is probably the most work he's done on a Marvel film. Yes, but I feel like in this case, though, he's actually... It's kind of like a buddy movie for a long stretch of this. And yeah. in the other movies, he's been in the in the ensemble, but he's not really been, you know, he has moments where he shined here and there, you know, is the sun coming up? Then put it on the left. Yeah. You know, moments like that, but you know, he's this movie I felt like he had more to do or because we were seeing the beginning of his character, this is like an example of a good prequel treatment. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I agree. So. I was happy he was You can You can do, like, a whole hell of a lot worse than have Samuel L. Jackson in a leading role. And you know, and with that cat, yeah. which we'll get to. Yeah, this is the first time I've really felt like Nick Fury is a real character instead of, like, a gruff exposition machine. <laughs> That's what I mean, is that he actually ha- gets to have some personality. There's this really wonderful little bit where... Um, Carol, uh, or do we call her Vers at this point? Doesn't matter. Um, in the movie, Captain Marvel. Yeah, we're gonna um, call she... her Captain Marvel because if you have three names, we're gonna call you the title of the movie. <laughs> You're not gonna call her Carol Danvers? No. <laughs> She's got even more names in the comics, Andrew. Carol Danvers. Oh my God! Oh, no, let me get to this. Carol right, Danvers point. sounds like a, sounds like a, a, an English country wife. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Danvers part, not so much Carol. Sounds like Supergirl's sister. Mrs. Danvers, it's time for tea. (laughs) Miss Danvers, I'm going to give you this property over to the McAllisters. All right. Madam, Madam Danvers, why won't you accept my proposal? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, sir. Um, There's an example where she's trying to test Nick Fury's uh, personality because she's not sure if he's a... uh, uh, Scrolls. There are Scrolls in this too, by the way. There's the Kree and there's the Scrolls. Uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, we'll we'll try our best to explain it for the you know people who are not comically. No, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, says the man who has a comic blog. I thought you were saying Scrolls with like a weird the Scrolls. Yeah, the Scrolls. And I, and I was like, Scrolls? no, um, the, the <laughs> like the Elder Scrolls. Yes, that's why I was confused. Oh God, we're gonna get in the weeds pronouncing things. <laughs> um, all right, so he's trying. She's trying to test his knowledge uh, about himself, and that stuff is very entertaining because yeah. it's very quick. It, it has, they have clearly good, like, chemistry. Yeah, not as like Larson and Samuel Jackson have very good chemistry. Yeah, and which they previously, they established that too, a little bit in uh, Kong Skull Island as well. Mm. So they go from the skull to the scree. Yes. Or the scrawl, scrawls, damn it! It was right there. Yeah. <laughs> from skull to scrawl. There, it was in front of my face, god damn it. All right, We're so my point is, that's a good, out. that's a good part of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I occasionally liked some of the 90s references. Some of them not so much. Some of them were ham-fisted. Some of them worked okay. A Nine Inch Nails t-shirt, for example? That was okay. That that was not, like, in your face. Although one thing that was weird, this is just an aside, I kind of thought, they were, were they trying to do, like, a Terminator homage for a second when she, like, takes the clothes and, like, rides off on the motorcycle? Probably. Well, that is something that they do in Terminator 2, so... Well, yeah, that was a 90s movie. Um, I don't know, what do you guys think of the 90s references? I like the 90s music. That was Some of it. It depended on how it I was think, I, I think that kind of depends on how you view 90s music in general. Well, I think you that. Know. Well, I think we can pre- be pretty safe in saying that no 90s comic book movie that uses 90s music will top Tank Girl. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> I did like the 90s music as well. Here's something that I was thinking about as I was watching this movie, where it's like, okay, it takes place in the 90s. Fine, there are going to be a lot of references to the 90s. To kind of hammer that home. But then I start to get the feeling it's like every time they t- do something in a specific period, it's like everything in the film is from the 90s. Apparently yeah. nothing is older than the 90s. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I mean, and, I, it's like, and I know it's like you have to establish that look and you have to really keep it going. Otherwise, you know, you have you kind of dilute the visuals of your <laughs> film. But then it's just like. You get into this weird thing. It's like, okay, not everything in the world in the 90s was from the 1990s. No, and in fact, there was a lot of, like, 80s overlap, too. Although, I'm really glad to see a movie that's not based on 80s nostalgia anymore. Because I feel like, I didn't even see Ready Player One for exactly that reason. But I feel like 80s nostalgia has had too long a period of, like, pop culture dominance. We're, we're, now it's time for the 90s to come rolling in. Exactly. So I am ready. For, well, like, you say this now, Canada. and, like, a year from now, you're going to be like, stop. <laughs> um, other Just things... until people start wearing um, nails t-shirts and yeah. seeing the third eye blood. Other, yeah. other thing I like in this movie is uh, those, uh, those couple of sequences where... Um, where Captain Marvel is kind of strapped into the the kind of scroll uh, uh, apparatus or whatever, and they're trying to plug her memories. That, I thought, was visually inventive, and that was uh, kind of cool. That was a cool cool. sequence. Yeah, it was, because it was... The way that the the, you hear the voices of uh, Ben Mendelsohn and whoever he's talking to, and they're like, they're talking about her memories like... I don't know, like, as if they're just looking at some, like, random bunch of files, but it's not shot that way. Mm. It's very, like, offhanded. It's not very, like, now we're going to see this part. The the narrate the, the voices are more like, oh, no, no, wait, go, go, go back one. Go, go, no, no, right there. No, 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 go, go here, go here. You know, it's... <laughs> Zoom and enhance. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so, like that, what are some other things you guys liked? I like the costume for Captain Marvel. Both the, the variants of it look really great. Yeah. Oh, I want to ask you, Matt. There's this scene where Captain Marvel is going through potential costume colors with her daughter's... Not her daughter. Her friend's, her friend's daughter. daughter. I loved the black costume with the neon. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. thought that looked so great. It I did. wish that had been the costume. Wait, you mean the one that they kind of laugh off? Yes. And you're like, Haha, yes. no. Well, I thought you hated eighties nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like. Hey, I, hey, I had a, neon in the. Hey, I had a light bright. That yeah. that hit home to me. Uh, yeah. I wish 
that had been like the Captain Marvel cup. There, there I find it strange that the Kree provide an option for their uniforms where they could change the color. Yeah. <laughs> that was odd. I, I like it, but I find it. It strange. was an odd moment. That felt like that was one of the moments where it felt like it was. I know this is gonna sound weird, but it felt like it was pitched a little more towards like kids, maybe. This was this movie was pitching very hard towards girls. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, not through the entire thing, but at certain points. No, through the entire thing. Um. Yeah. Girl present. That's plain. <laughs> That's like eighty percent of that of that memory sequence that you were talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, again, I, when, when I say like bodied person, uh, what are your takes? <laughs> Remember, you are speaking for women everywhere. Yes. All right. As the <laughs> yeah, take take us home, uh, Gloria Steinem. Uh, here's what? the thing. Breaking it down in terms of runtime, I don't think that many minutes of the movie were devoted to, like, you know, a kind of girl power message. So I would say, like, the movie's two hours, probably ten minutes of it are explicitly kind of girl-powered in their messaging. However, those ten minutes do a lot of the, um, like, character-building labor, because when we flash back to Captain Marvel's prior life, she's told throughout her entire life you can't do various things because you're a woman. You can't roughhouse. You can't drive fast. You can't be in the Air Force. They call it a cockpit for a reason. Yeah, there's that. There's. I was holding back during that whole flashback sequence as they're walking out of the air, airplane hangar. I was really, really trying to hold back and not say that these women had a need for speed. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're walking the exact same way. It's almost the exact same shot. It's like, you you expect Brie Larson to say, you could be my wingman anytime. (laughs) So, what year did Top Gun come out? 86. Okay, that tracks then. Although the Hot Shots movies came out in the 90s. Ah. But, like, she would have been an Air Force pilot at that time. Yeah. Like, she just, like, she, this is not a spoiler. Like, she... Yeah, that, that's a good point. Like, she she actually crashes her plane. In 1989. Or, yeah. Yeah, so it's really, like, that part of it, they try to sidestep some of the 80s stuff, but you see, like, briefly, like, a Guns N' Roses ticket among, like, the memory pile. Right. The but. 80s nostalgia's coming back, Corey, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I, I'm... One other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I don't know, we don't need to get into spoilers, so to speak, if, if it comes to that, but Ben Mendelsohn in this movie. Good. Yeah. He was actually... Yeah, he was good. Who uh, it... Ben Mendelsohn? Talos. He okay. was the main he, scroll. Yeah. He's the guy who, I, they, they wanted to try to pull a fast one and surprise everyone, but ugh, I can't say it no. yet, because I probably already spoiled it, damn it. Um, um... But he's the one, He's he's the guy who has been in... So many movies now where he's the villain, it's almost become old hat. So this movie tries to play around with that a little bit. He has personality. Yeah. No, he does, actually. He gets to have a lot of scenes where he's, you know, covered in, like, you know, monster movie makeup as, you know, a scroll. And he gets to... He has some humor. He has some character. He almost felt like like a character from, like, Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking Star Trek as I was watching. I was thinking of Star Trek Next Gen a lot through this. And I don't even watch that much Next Gen. 
but had that feeling even with some of like the other uh, scrolls and the uh, and the spaceships and things like that. Yeah. See, I was thinking more Farscape because he has an Australian accent, and I really liked that they had an Australian accent instead of making him do an American voice because that added a lot to the character. Oh, well, everyone knows the aliens are Australian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're down under. Um. So yeah, those are things I I think I kind of I I liked in the movie. Um, I don't know what else I'm trying to think of. Other things I, I enjoyed that, like, really... By that, I mean things that especially stood out. Like, again, those sequences where they're going through her memories and she's having, you know, the, the and those little... The, the, not so much the, the dialogue, but, but the design of that space where she goes into to talk to... Annette Benning, a.k.a. The Supreme Intelligence. The Supreme Intelligence. I was about to, you know, say that. we're going to have to get to in the spoiler zone. Yeah, we are going to have to get to that. Like, that kind of looked cool, but, um, I don't know. The troublesome thing now is, like, the film, like, the film is not bad. But now it's like, we've gotten, like, how far are we in? Like, 15 minutes into this review? Yeah, or 20. Okay, about 20 minutes into this review, and I feel like I've said almost all the positive things I can think of to say about this film. Samuel L. Jackson's good. Brie Larson's good, which sometimes, you know, she's, you know, she, the chemistry. She, like, she has, I feel like she can, she, can car- she carries herself, too, in some of the action. Not all of it, but some of it. Well, I mean, there there is a performance there, but I mean, like, how much, how much performance are we talking about when, like, it's mostly a CGI version of her oh yeah yeah going you know blasting things fair point you know uh well oh no she does have some nice hand-to-hand fighting stuff in in the earlier parts of the film so i guess yeah that's that's pretty good then this for me is another movie where my knowledge of the mcu is a little bit of a burden in the sense that i like this movie better than infinity war i know Jack, you don't agree with that? Because we mm. talked about it, but... It's I, not by leaps and bounds, I like but... this movie better than Infinity War. Me too. But Infinity War, the entire, like, third act, for me, in Infinity War, was ruined by the fact that, like, I know none of this is gonna matter, because I know they're not gonna kill any of these cash cows. This movie, nothing in the movie was ruined, but... The things I liked about this movie were so familiar to me from seeing them in other MCU movies, like seeing that kind of trademark banter. Like, I liked it, but I liked it in, like, ten other MCU movies. Or I feel even, like, Brie Larson's um, kind of hero's journey was pretty generic to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you try to strip aside the... All the all the feminism stuff, which is you know, it, <laughs> no, I'm I'm, I'm not okay. trying. Keep going, keep going. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when you strip all that aside, it isn't that like. It, you know what actually also popped in my head, and this is gonna sound like a put down, but I do I like this I like Captain Marvel more than what I'm about to say. I also thought of Green Lantern. Yes. Yeah. Right. That this is like the even down to like a scene where. You know, a ship is crashes, and that's what mentor like, mentor talks thing. with. How you know. Jordan and Keller, Car- Carol Danvers have the same job. 
Yeah, they kind of do. They're basically intergalactic police. No, but no. I mean even before that. Well, I mean that before like, that. As normal people, they are test pilots. Yes, yes, they exactly. Do very That's why I mean. jobs and they love flying planes. They encounter this alien race. It's slightly different because Carol Danvers has amnesia, but she ends up like being that, filling that same sort of role. Green Lantern just like fights stuff and does things in space. That's what she does. Yeah. And then it's and it's that same sort of. I mean, it's been a long time since I never thought I'd compare anything to Green Lantern, <laughs> film, but it's almost that same sort of story. Yeah. Except yeah. we do have a few more inter- interesting twists yeah. in this one that makes the plot a lot more bearable. Oh, sure. No, and it doesn't have, like, for example, like Peter Sarsgaard or whatever his name was in uh, Green Lantern. Right. The, the thing I did like about this movie that we haven't talked about yet is Goose. Because I'm an easy mark for cats. and they Yeah, pan- you are super easy. They pandered to, to me, and I applaud them for their <laughs> cats. Goose was delightful. No, no, I, I enjoy, like, a good, you know, um, dom- domestic animal actor. and Actually, Matt, weigh in on this, because Jack and I were debating this. Were we? Yes. I don't think they used a real cat. They, I mean, used, it's four, all- they used four. The main one was Reggie. You know their oh, there names. Were of, there I... were a lot of when they had to when the cat had to like go through the air or was thrown yeah. or things like that. That was a CGI cat. The cat. I thought the cat was one hundred percent CGI. No, cat. no. Like it looked like a. Why would it? Why would it not look real to you? Like at least like most of the time. I don't know. Maybe because everything in the movie was CGI. Well, so pretty I'm... much Samuel L. Jackson's face was CGI. I want to talk about CGI that really briefly. I actually so thought they did a good job on yeah. his face. They did a good they job. Did. Like, not on, Clark, not on Clark's, not on Clark Gregg's face though. Well, I thought his face actually didn't look as good; like it was too smooth. Whereas with Samuel Jackson, when I looked at him, I was like, "If he's if it's de aging, I can't tell." If you had to prioritize one or the other, you have to go with Samuel L. Jackson's face, like as a as as like a visual. Effects so they probably artist, gave him more money. Like he's in the whole film. Clark yeah. Gregg, Clark Gregg is in this. No spoilers. He's in the first third. And then he disappears. He's in literally, like, three scenes. Okay, yeah. And then it's just like, well, but then, like, you know, good point. Like, it doesn't look as good, but really we're nitpicking what is perhaps, like, the best visual effect in the entire film, which is Samuel L. Jackson looking awesome. I wonder how much de-aging he really needed, though, because we've seen him since the mid-90s. He is in his 70s, isn't he? He just turned 70. Yeah. But I don't know about you. I don't think he really looked much um, older than he did. Maybe like Samuel Jackson just kind of. He, he he's aged look, pretty well. He's aged pretty well. He looks amazing. His aging his age. comes mainly in the form of sort of scruffiness. Huh. So when he's so when he's like Nick Fury and uh, you know he's gonna look a little rougher around the edges. Or if you see him in another role, he'll have some gray, uh, some some gray hair and like in his facial hair and everything. But I mean. You know he's he's very smooth in this. Like he looks, you know, just yeah, good. You know, uh, it's like I yeah. knew. I thought about that during the film. It's like I'm looking at him like I know they de-aged his face. Like I, I read it in a in an article, but it's just like I can't see it. I can't see anything. Yeah, and and the cat again. The the cat is just really you know cute and fun, and it does good cat things. This is probably the best. I, I know this movie just came out, but this is probably the best cat actor I've seen in a movie since. Can you ever forgive me? Is that the name of a cat? No, it's the name, <laughs> the name of a movie. 
You would really like That's that. That's the name of a... Th- this Mark is the best cat. movie okay. cat since Kevin Spacey in Nine Lives. It eventually no. turn. No, cat. take that oh, back. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that cat was definitely a highlight of the movie for me, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that was it was a loaded gun. That didn't go off until just the right moment. Yeah, they were kind of saving it. Like, they would pepper the cat here and there. And then the third act, they just knew, like, okay, now the cat really needs to go to town. And without (laughs) saying what the cat does, or what the cat is, is, uh, I have a quick question, Matt. Is that that cat in the comics? Yes. In the cat cat mix? Yes, the cat (laughs) is in the cat mix. Yeah. Yeah. And is the cat similar in the comics? He's got a different name in the comics. Uh, what's his name in the comics? Chewy. Chewy. Yeah, I see why they that. changed it. I don't. Cause... <laughs> Chewbacca? Yeah, because Marvel also owns Star Wars, so it's not a problem. They can't get them too, you can't get them confused. People are going to like, Chewy's in this film. Where yeah, you're going to you're gonna upset the masses. Like you're going to upset, like... What's going on? Yeah, you, you can't confuse the kind of people that So they that changed it to Goose, which is a character from Top Gun. Ah, I see that. Yeah, good, good call, Matt. Actually, that's a good call, Andrew. But there were still Star Wars nerds in the '90s and late '80s. It's no, not like they're a recent nope. invention that yes, would break they are. the timeline. They, they haven't existed. <laughs> no, there were no Star Wars nerds that rode their bicycle to pick up the Star Wars special edition from Blockbuster the no, day it came out. Did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nobody. No in this one did went that. to see the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Phantom what? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. So the, to wrap up our thoughts pre-spoilers, the biggest problem I think that this movie is Corey says familiarity. I think that there's a there's even though they kind of have this element of a character who has this amnesia, and we're trying and we're finding out about her as she you know gets information. I did when find we get- that compelling. I did. Oh, you did find that compelling. Yeah. Um, I would have... See, I I don't know. I felt like I kind of knew where it was going, though, even though I had no idea what the movie was about. Like, as soon as they laid out a lot of the stuff, like, by, like, the after the I, I don't first think it's, act... I don't think it's so much, like, the destination. I mean, clearly we know, like, eventually we're going to figure out that, that Captain Marvel is from Earth... And that all you know, all this stuff. Well, you know where it's but, leading, but, but, I, by, but the journey to get there was a little more interesting than I thought it was. Uh, going to be. But to me, actually, I didn't think the journey was all that interesting. You like, didn't think it was fun when Samuel Jackson put tape on a thing? No, then, no, that 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 part was fine. But that's that, not her journey. That's not really her journey. That's shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> that's her like that's her fucking with Nick Fury by like not blowing the door away so that she could see him use a piece of Scotch tape to open up the door. Um, so I don't okay. know. Do you know what I mean by that, Corey? Yeah, I was thinking when we were in the car going home, I looked back at David Ehrlich's review of this movie on Letterboxd, and mm-hmm. he did not like the movie. He gave it two stars. I would give it three stars. But anyway, his opening line, he said he was comparing this to Black Panther, and he said how, like, Black Panther felt, like, unique and specific, and this movie just feels kind of generic. It does feel a little more the, generic. There's because... a little bit of a vanilla feeling to it. Yeah. And I mean, it... You, you have a point. Black Panther is about this very new place, oh. and it's about this character and, and sort of, like, that society in which she lives. Uh, so, yeah. you know, a lot more... It, yeah, your specific is the right word for that. 
for Black Panther. It's just like Brie Larson goes to Earth. Where on Earth? Anywhere. Just Earth. Yeah. She's in Louisiana once, we know. But, I mean, aside from that, it's just like, well, you know, it's not about Earth. It's about her. So, I guess... So it does have to be a little more generic, I guess. Which is my problem, I guess, as like an uber nerd coming into this movie, is that I want to have a lot more world building for both the Kree and the Scrolls, because that was got me excited that, ooh, they're doing all this pre-tying stuff for Guardians of the Galaxy, and things yeah. like up here and there. Yeah. But then they hardly do anything with those yeah. characters. I'm like, but but I want to see the alien guys that we don't get to hang out with. Why are we on well, Earth so much? Well, well it's that right. problem with, uh, well, it was also that problem with Thor, where yeah, yeah. you open up on Asgard, but then you immediately send your main hero to Earth, at least, actually, in Thor, I might even like Thor slightly more than this. At least in Thor, he kind of feels like a slightly more compelling character. I mean, Carol Danvers, she, you know, she has personality and she throws out a quip here and there, but there's something about her that just doesn't stick out to me in the same way. Even putting aside the the amnesia, like well, maybe I she'll work better in a group, but it, there isn't even that quality where like Captain America. He is also like very like straightforward and and has to respond to things, but you know his, his attitude has a difference than than hers. But I would think that actually sort of what you like about how the story is told is also hurts her as a character because you say like you like the amnesia part and getting to know her, but I think because um, she's of amnesia and still trying to figure out who she is, she comes off as more of a blank slate than had they um, just had her be Carol Danvers, knowing who she is all the way through. Well, she would have had a more informed sense of being instead of just being a cipher. And then they tell her, oh yeah, that's who you are. Well, no, no, but that's, I think that's, I was trying to word it differently, but I think that's what I mean by that I couldn't get into the movie because... I, I like, again, when I said I like the amnesia part, I like that one sequence where we're really seeing her, like, the like the memories suddenly flooding back to her. Like, that was just interesting on, like, a cinematic level or something. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Like, the blank slate part of it, that's also been done in a lot of other movies as well. Like, that whole figuring out who you are, like, I... I, I, you're, that, that is a good point, man. Like, I, I think that that does hurt the character because she isn't really Captain Marvel to the last, like, 30 minutes of the movie. And, you know, that one might not be a problem, per se, if she had more personality aside from that, but the personality is just making a few quips and I don't know who I am. And that is kind of leading to what you said about her being a cipher. Yeah, I was hoping for a little more novelty because I came into the movie with basically no familiarity with Captain Marvel as a character. Yeah, it, the movie has to do two things. It has to ed kind of educate audiences who have no idea who she is, who frankly are a lot of the audience, and then also, you know, give, you know, guy, Frank, no disrespect, no, no Matt, but guys like you a little bit of breadcrumbs. Like, here's a little bit of Cree, here's a little bit of Scrolls. go have fun. Um, but it's really a movie more for people who have no idea who she is, I think, as a character. Like, and then you said, Andrew, he, she was on Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I actually didn't remember her from that. Well, you, I didn't show you those episodes. Okay. I mean, I just, you maybe I didn't secret? get to them. Yes. You hit them. Yeah. Well, we only watched a few episodes, like maybe three, and 
<laughs> I feel like I, I watched it. a couple of more episodes, maybe. But, yeah. but, but even then, I wasn't like a big fan of her. It, she doesn't have that kind of presence, like when you're introduced to Black Panther, when you're introduced to him, like you get, or or even to the. Or, I know that you guys weren't as much a, a fan of it as I was, but Doctor Strange that at least had a very uh, unique visual look to it, and. You know that was a place that was um, that they could establish unto itself. The Earth here, you take apart the '90s, and it's just Earth. Yeah, yeah. it's I'm... a it's a shopping center. It's like an underground base. It's a desert. Because mm-hmm. the thing about this is, that I didn't feel that the '90s setting was really integral to the story. Like they could have told this movie in the present had they just scheduled it before Avengers Endgame. That the only reason why they set it back in the 90s is because they said, oops, our schedule's all screwed up. We've got to introduce Captain Marvel, so we'll make this a prequel so that she doesn't seem like a crazy deus ex machina when she shows up in Endgame. Well, but the <laughs> yeah. other thing, too, is you had, like you didn't have to do this, but so much of this, so much of what this film is is also filling in a lot of knowledge about Nick Fury. And the first time we meet him is at the end of Iron Man. And this is a version of Nick Fury that comes way before that. And it's trying... Uh, so, you it had to be before everything else. Otherwise, you couldn't have used that whole Nick Fury, I'm your partner storyline thing. Right, but I mean, like, you could have said in the, the present with, like, Nick Fury meeting her, you just would have changed how the character is written. Like, it didn't specifically have to be set... Uh, I see what you're saying. So, it could, have, it could have taken place, like... Like, but the problem there then is you have to grapple with, well, are they going to interact with any of the other Avengers characters? Yeah, but it's like stupid typical. idea. Yeah, I have a stupid idea. <laughs> What's your stupid idea? My Andrew? stupid idea is that you still set it in the same time with Samuel L. Jackson, but he has that Jerry curl they had in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, That's I break a 90s your, movie. I'm sorry, I break your concentration. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, All right. Let's let's let's, let's wrap it up. Our non-spoilery thoughts yeah. and move on to spoilers. It's it's fine. I mean, if you're just looking for you know very basic boilerplate Marvel action fun, I mean, it's it's there. It's just we're at movie twenty one now, and <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. Did That's you know depressing. that? <laughs> I, I know I should have put it like that. That sounds like. Can you imagine one day if we actually have the forty third movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we could call it Movie Forty Three? Oh God! No. <laughs> Come all right, but it's but it's among the Marvel movies. It it kind of feels like a slight step back after like things like. Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther, even Guardians of the Galaxy two. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's or Sp- or Spider Man. Yeah, it has. It, it feels a little generic. Uh, it, there, it has its moments, but it doesn't stand out a great deal. Uh, it's a decent introduction. Mm. Uh, I hope you know if they make a second one. I'm I'm figuring like once now they have everything established, they're gonna jettison a lot of that other stuff and they're gonna focus on a little more. If when they do the next movie, it will be like an all Cree scroll movie. Yeah, that's, well, which would be fun. We'll see. But, like um... put it somewhere that's not on Earth. Have it in a place where like we can open up the universe a little bit and introduce a few more cool things. She could have like a little like she can have a couple of like. 
alien companion characters that are fun. Yeah, some some minor Marvel characters nobody knows about who you can who look visually interesting. Yeah, but then will that just feel derivative compared to Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Yeah, but Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be tough because what you can pull off in the comics in a movie, I think people expect a little bit more. But the funny thing is that I think this would have been a lot more impactful and novel had Marvel not waited 21 movies to do a female-centric movie. Like, had they actually, yeah. like, you know, hey, we could get women into superheroes, like, early. And it comes <laughs> after Wonder Woman as well. Yeah. I'll say I like this better than Wonder Woman. <laughs> and you are wrong, but... Sorry, I mean, I made, like, a weird, like gunshot i don't care like actually i think wonder woman is kind of flawed but i think i still like that more than this movie it had more personality to it okay let me let me let me refine that wonder woman is better visually it's a lot less generic this is better written Mm. um they both have their ups and downs yeah yeah so in some ways yes maybe but uh, now who's the one who's wrong jack (laughs) <laughs> you still are. <laughs> anyway, that's what. All right, I that's that's way. what I think. Anybody else thoughts? Um, I said my thoughts. Matt, yeah, it was good. It wasn't spectacular or marvelous. Ah, <laughs> don't you mean marvelous? Yes, I mean marvelous. <laughs> oh, we need to separate the mar and the vel. Apparently, I mean, there's a whole scene about that in this movie. Forget it. But then Samuel L. Jackson sings a little bit, and it's really charming. That was very charming, yes. All right, so if you don't want to be spoiled, just uh, hit the pause button right here. Oh, oh, you want to get personal. Where were you born? Huntsville, Alabama, but technically I don't remember that part. Name your first pet. Mr. Snoofers. Mr. Snoofers. That's what I said. Did I pass? Not yet. First job? Soldier. Straight out of high school. Left the ranks of full bird colonel. Then? Spy. Where? It was the Cold War. We were everywhere. Belfast, Bucharest, Belgrade, Budapest. I like the bees. I can make them ride. Now? Been riding the desk for the past six years, trying to figure out where our future enemies are coming from. Never occurred to me they would be coming from above. Name a detail so bizarre a scroll could never fabricate it. A toast is cut diagonally. I can't eat it. You didn't need that, did you? No. No, I didn't. But I enjoyed it. Okay, your turn. Prove you're not a scroll. Uh, um, so the Ben Mendelsohn thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I feel like we've also seen other movies. I still thought it was handled pretty well. Yeah. Up to a point, I mean, I kind of had a sense that, all right, there must there must be something that's going to happen once Jude Law comes to Earth. It can't just be that straightforward that he's going to come to Earth and they're going to fight the green bad guys or whatever, so. I, Jude Law is pretty much suspicious from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> because he, he's Jude Law. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you do have this sense where it's just like, we haven't seen very much of the suffering or the struggles of the Kree against the Skrulls. Right. Like, we see them fight a few times, like, against Skrulls, but then it's just like, well... You need to have, not like... seeing a lot. You need to have, like, a scene where somehow uh, the Ben Mendelsohn character, like, somehow taps into somebody's brain and you get, like, a visual of, like, Skrull Holocaust or something like that. Maybe. 
Uh, but the the thing is, like, if you think about movies, like, there's gonna be some sort of twist where Captain Marvel figures like she's on the wrong side, and or like the or you know the Kree are gonna betray her or something like well, that. That is something I, you could yeah. You could well, feel well, as they try to say at one point, don't you know? Because she tries to apologize to like his uh, family, you know, like he has a wife and baby scrolls. Or sc- scrolly, whatever you call them, Scrollites. the scrollites, scrollings, the scrollings. Yes, <laughs> they're so they're so delicious. It's <laughs> just like younglings. Um, but she like apolog- he She apologizes at one point to them, and he says to her like, "This is war. We've done a lot of bad things, me included." Right. <laughs> Which was that was a nice little line actually, right when he said that. I do like when everybody's in Louisiana. And Ben Mendelsohn pops up, and he's like, hey, remember me? And yeah! He's like, and he's, like, drinking a smoothie or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when he kind of reveals the, the I real love it when there. movies do that, where it's like, where you can have the villain be somewhat threatening, but then also kind of goofy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, being very goofy. Um, and, I mean, that's really the big spoiler of the movie. I don't know if, oh, I have a question though, uh, Matt. So this, so this thing with the tesseract, uh-huh. this goddamn tesseract thing. So, is this like they set the the tesseract up in this movie? Is this the one that it's like that they first? I say first introduce. I mean in the chronic chronological timeline after this is in Thor. No, it's the from the one that's from Captain America that shows up in the Avengers. Oh yeah, we oh, were trying one. to remember I, what I the Tesseract did in the other movie. It's a space gem. Okay, I know that one that does things. It opens up and the they put the, the Nazis tried to use okay. it to build super weapons, and then oh, they right. found it at the end of Captain America, and then Loki stole it at the beginning of Avengers to open a portal. So that uh, no, I, okay. well, I remember that in Avengers. I just was trying to remember if it was in the Captain America or Thor. Cause... I knew like. <sighs> I knew it was in the other movies. I just forgot specifically what it did. Yeah. What it does is kind of like almost beyond the point because it's just like it's this infinity gem, but also people just happen to use it for different things, like tapping into its energy and using it to create like in this case a light speed engine. Or Yeah, that that was well. That that was part of the plot. That was part of the movie where I my eyes open portals. My eyes just kind of glazed over at that. Like I just I just didn't care about that part of the movie. Frankly, I don't know. But but it's beside the point. It's just like a little thing to tie into everything else. It could have been anything else. That little plot. Yeah, I guess they probably just made that up because it's just like, well, why don't we make it this thing that we've already seen in the Marvel universe? That was a smarter decision than just making it. Oh, here's this thing. It should have been the psyche magnetron. Yeah, it sounds cool. Because people know what that is. What's the psyche magnetron? Psyche magnetron is an alien wish machine that Carol gets her powers from in the comic books. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's a machine that gives you anything you wish for. I guess. Yeah. Ah. Does it punish you if you wish for more wishes? No. So it's not like the wish upon of <laughs> this universe. <laughs> but um, Psyche Magatron, doesn't that sound so much cooler than Cosmic Cube? It sounds goofy. And Cosmic mm. Cube is goofy, but they didn't call it oh. that in these movies. So. Or they yeah. were wrong then, because it's a Cosmic Cube. Well, those are two different things. Well, the Cosmic Cube is the Tesseract. Yeah. What I mean is... Never mind. Uh, oh. That's not the point. Oh, I wanted to bring up an interesting... I was... Well, we were like... 
we were having dinner before we, we record the podcast, and um, we like I was reading like this one review which pointed out a music cue that I thought was interesting that um, when uh, Carol goes back into um, the super intelligence uh-huh. to talk with her um, because she's you know trapped and you know she she has like no power because of the little chip that they put by her neck. They're playing uh, Nirvana's Come As You Are. Yeah. And then the end credits, they play Hole. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that, like, it was a comment itself on, like, you know, I guess Kurt Cobain is, like... Apparently the, the Supreme the, Intelligence is a big Nirvana fan. A big Nirvana fan, but no, but I mean, like, Kurt Cobain, Courtney Love, that's the connection? No. I don't know. Does that make any sense? I don't know anything about what you're talking about. They they play, like, a Courtney Love song is, like, this triumphant, like, song over the end credits, whereas that was a scene where, like, she's in trouble and they're playing this song. Yeah, but it's a song that the Supreme Intelligence is not familiar with, but it's a Nirvana song, Come As You Are, so that's really about Carol being who she's meant to be and using her Ah, power. Okay, so maybe that... Yeah, maybe I, that makes more sense. That whole scene with the Supreme Intelligence at the end, I'm just like, okay. I, I'm trying to think about it now. What were they trying to do in that scene? They're like, trying to not use the cool Supreme Intelligence as like a big no, floating No, that's not head. what I mean. Oh. I mean, what was you, the Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's a big Supreme Intelligence that's a big floating head? Yeah, that's what the Supreme Intelligence looks like. It's a big green head with tentacles coming off did it they maybe, tube. Did they maybe not do that because of make people think of Power Rangers? I don't know. They should have made them think about Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, No, Andrew. this is what I mean. Like, why, after they capture Carol Danvers, do they connect her to the Supreme Intelligence? Uh, I guess because they want to break her, maybe? Or, yeah, or how? I don't know. Why? How, why? What's the point? I think, well, it... Why didn't they just kill her? But I Why think... do they want her alive? Do they... Because the Supreme Intelligence maybe want to, like, absorb the information she got on Earth. I don't know. They don't say. Well, that was what they. I thought they hinted at earlier in the movie, like, like way earlier. But but then they they tried to do misdirect because at first you thought the scroll were trying to get information from her for some like nefarious reason. But then by the time you realize, okay, they weren't trying to do that. They're trying to help save their own people. The Kree are the ones who are bad because they're genocidal maniacs. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like yeah, when they tie her up again. What, yeah, what was the point of that? Was it just because of, like, the whole Jude Law is, like, a male chauvinist who wants to show, like, this woman her, in her place? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Did you think about it, Corey? Um, I don't know. That's the kind of plot thing that just kind of makes my eyes glaze over. Yeah, there's so that, too. So, I have no right. But you're right for your eyes to glaze over because, like, even I can't figure out what the heck they were trying to do. If anything, that's... I guess they need to have a reason for her to fully, like, power up. Yeah, that's that's the reason. I mean, that's the function it serves in the plot. Yeah, but, but why... It doesn't explain why the characters do what they do. And the... No, it doesn't. And, like, apparently they, they carry around, like, a portable placemat that connects you to the Supreme <laughs> Yeah. Like, I thought that you had to go to, like, a special chamber for that, but no. Yeah. Just... Apparently you can just do it in an emergency. I... You can whip it up and it just works. I <laughs> did like, though, the final resolution with the Jude Law character. Yes. No, that was That fun. was awesome. That, that was a fun moment. Yeah, absolutely. Like Where that... Jude Law, you know, says to Brie Larson, it's time for us to have this 
former mentor, mentee, brawl, where you have to prove yourself to me and, like, dispatch me without using your powers. And then she just smokes him that, with her powers in, like, that, half a second. That felt like a bit that I would have seen on, like, Buffy or something. Yeah. I actually, th- it did feel very Buffy-ish. And then she goes and, like, collects him and just, like, drags him through <laughs> the desert. Yeah, well, that was a, that was probably the best moment as far as... Um, it was, or well, I should say best, I should say it was the least forced moment of, like, a girl power thing. Because that was a bit where a guy is really trying to impose his will to say, Now it's me! You have to fight me! We have to use our bare hands! And the woman's like, No. Like, that was the Marvel version of, like, one of these memes you see online, usually involving Alexandria (laughs) Ocasio-Cortez and what she does to, like, the men in Congress. But yeah, and I liked it, and then she was like, I don't have to prove anything. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's the key line of the movie, really. So, it was good. And, Uh, yeah. So that, like, minute scene was very satisfying. Sorry, Andrew. Was I about to say something? No. You raise a good criticism, though, of that other scene. Yes. Yeah. But there's definitely, even with Marvel movies I like better than this one, there's always, like, some, like, plot mechanics where I just kind of zone out. Yeah, well, that was the that was the weakest part of Guardians of the Galaxy, a movie I, I like very much, is... You know, the parts of that where it's very mechanical. Anytime they're talking about, like, the unobtainium or whatever, I'm just The like, Tesseract, Corey. I just mentally... The Soul out. Stone! Know all the stones! <laughs> You'll be quizzed on this later! Uh, luckily, we don't have to worry about people gathering stones for the next movie. The so next one is just... So let's talk about another thing, though. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of weird sort of... We're go- there are a lot of weird connections between this film and Guardians of the Galaxy. The first Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, well, with one character in particular. Yeah. They bring back... He didn't... Did he look the same as in the last no. movie? No. Yeah, What? that was weird. Why did his thought, look change? For a moment, I thought... Like 10 I was clothes. I was certain. I was certain that they did not bring back Lee Pace for this. <laughs> Why would he even bother? Because be, be, it's a paycheck? Uh, yes. <laughs> but I mean, like Lee what, Pace, what's Lee Pace doing? What's he got Lee better Pace to do? Lee Pace must this? be doing something. Ah, like who that. knows? He's Maybe he's... Yeah, but he, he, he could... Must, he he must, could must, this probably took like three days to shoot, if if that. No, this... Everything he had he like barely this, a role in Everything this he did in this film, he could have done in one day. Oh, or one day, excuse me. Get into the makeup, stand around, look towards the camera, say some lines, and then you're done. That was disappointing because everyone picks on Ronan, but Ronan's an important character in the comics. And also, I get what they're trying to do with Ronan, but so I saw that, hey, we're doing a prequel, and Ronan's in it. I said, okay, this is good. They'll actually give him some character development, and you no. can see how he went from point A to point B. But yeah, no, he's like exactly the same and is stiff, and I no have to, character I have, beyond that. I have to wonder if somebody in Marvel came to the filmmaker or the writers of this and like, maybe originally this was, like, 10 or even 20 minutes longer and had some more of that world-building that you were talking about, Matt. Mm-hmm. And then they told them, no, we, we need to just make this two hours. Audiences are not going to sit still for a Marvel for a Captain Marvel movie that's longer than two hours. Even though I feel like... I'm not saying it's a good reason. Other just... MCU movies are longer than two hours. 
A lot of them are. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't think there's been a Marvel movie that's shorter than two hours. Maybe maybe it's been like an hour and 15. Yeah, like, don't the Avengers movies clock in at like two and a half hours or something? And they're saying the new, the one coming out in a couple months will be fucking three hours. Yeah. Are they going to have an intermission for that? Black Panther was kind of long, too, wasn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. A little bit longer than this. Maybe not as long as uh, Infinity War. Okay. But that's neither here nor there. But that's... Yeah, that's a really good point. I wonder if there's some of this movie that was left on the cutting room floor. That's a really good point. And another thing that's interesting, though, is that in the, the trailer material, she keeps saying, I'm not going to fight this war. I'm going to end it. And so I went into this movie thinking, okay, they've had the Kroll as scroll tree war going on in the background, and she's going to show up, and they're going to have like this really epic showdown at the end where she's going to just totally wreck both the scrolls and the Kree and say, okay, you guys are at peace now because I said so, and something really cool. And then we don't get that in the movie. Well, no, was, we don't. That was well, the movie that I was sold. At least I, I expected expected it coming in did you guys get that um i i do remember that line now but i that that just sounded like a generic movie line okay because i mean like i'm kind of glad that she doesn't just solve it all by herself immediately but at the same time i'm still kind of like oh so we have to do yet another prequel movie to see how the scroll kree war ends even though we already know that it ends badly for the Krees from what we've seen in guardians of the galaxy yeah yeah yeah, that's that's an interesting point. It, like, it's a pre- it's one of those cases where it's a prequel, but it's not enough of a prequel to really satisfy. Well, you, its can never, you, you can never. I don't really think we needed that. I mean, like this film introduced the entire idea of a war between the Kree and the Skrull. So you know, introducing all of that would yeah. that have cleared up the story of Captain Marvel? No, but I mean, like, I'm just like kind of. It's sort of like my Wonder Woman thing, where the uh, same kind of difference is both of them are prequels. But then the next movie is still going to be a prequel, and I just want to be like, okay, I've gotten this character introduced. Why don't we just have them interacting with people in the modern day instead of having them interact? Because with we past. need more '80s nostalgia, but, <laughs> which is why we're getting Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, yeah but I mean. So, Finally, it was Woman made for you, Corey. <laughs> crossover that we've been waiting for. They I mean, wanted to make Wonder Woman more like Supergirl, the movie. Yeah, yes. but um, like I mean, Captain America, you do all your period stuff in the first movie, and then the next two sequels are well, in the present be- day. Well, so that's because understand. Captain America's whole story is I was frozen up until now. Yeah, but... you know, Wonder Woman doesn't have that, so you can do a whole bunch of stuff in between. I mean, well, she is essentially an, Im- uh, an Im- she is essentially an ageless demigod. But even Captain Marvel, like, why do we have to go like twenty years from like now to Endgame? Like, what is? Do we really need to spend all the time filling in those blanks? Like, wouldn't that be cool to just have her just go straight into hanging out with like the, the modern Avengers and doing stuff that's going to be relevant and unpredictable? Didn't, which was literally, which was that. literally the one, which was literally the just the post credit scene of this movie. Right? Yeah, I know. I mean, but it just it didn't shake out that way. I mean, the Marvel films went their way. The only reason we have a Captain Marvel film is because everything else is being done right now, and all that's been successful. Who else do we have? Captain Marvel. How do we squeeze her in without making it awkward? Make it a prequel before all this stuff even happens. Yeah. Why not? Well, I'll be curious about is what the hell they do after Endgame. I guess they'll obviously they'll have another. They have another. Well, Spider-Man we're having Spider Man. 
We have that, but I mean after that. We after have that. the Eternals to look forward to. <laughs> What's that? That's the other thing that they're trying to make Black into a Panther franchise. Nobody gives a damn about the Eternals. Damn right they Who don't. Who are the Eternals? <laughs> they're, 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 <laughs> they're, they're people you... Are you sure they're not like a power ballad band from the 80s? <laughs> We're the Eternals! They're the new gods that Jack Kirby made for Marvel when he was on a break for DC before going back and doing more DC stuff. Wow, that's really... I don't know, I'm just Boring. really... Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, any last thoughts about this movie? I don't know, I thought you guys were going to ask me lots of questions about nerdy stuff. Oh, alright, well, well, alright, one last... Alright, let's... We've saved it for the end. Thank you for listening to this review. Okay, why am I reading all this stuff about, like, when people are talking about the upcoming Shazam movie? Ah, I can't wait for Captain Marvel. I mean, Shazam. Because Shazam used to be called Captain Marvel. Okay, and was Captain Marvel just Ms. Marvel? Well, you see, there's a thing that the Captain Marvel was a comic published by Fawcett Comics, and then DC Comics sued them because they said that his character's too similar to Superman, and then for shenanigans, DC Comics won, even though the case wasn't particularly great, and then they ended up acquiring the assets of Fawcett Comics. Now, meanwhile, a decade after that, Marvel Comics said, hey, we're Marvel Comics, and Captain Marvel's a cool name, and there's no more um, other guy from Fawcett, let's make a character called Captain Marvel. Marvel. So they did. They made a character called Captain Marvel, and then DC was like, hey, we actually own the Captain Marvel rights now as part of the lawsuit or whatever, so we should make a Captain Marvel. And then they tried to put Captain Marvel as their guy again after the fact, but the Marvel's like, hey, we have to trademark this now because you guys abandoned it with the whole crazy legal rigmarole, so you can't actually call Captain Marvel Captain Marvel on any of like oh his comics. Oh my god! So then, anyhow, so then the, then the Marvel Captain Marvel... Um, <laughs> back, back then, Carol Danvers became Ms. Marvel, and because the first Captain Marvel was a guy, and he was actually um, the character that Annette Benning had in this movie. Uh, and then um, the first... Except a man. Yeah. And then the first... Uh, Woman to actually be called Captain Marvel was Monica Rambeau, who is a oh. girlfriend of who's the, the friend in this the movie. Then the daughter, the daughter of her friend. Oh, the daughter. Oh. The daughter of her friend. So you have a whole oh, extra character oh added into this. And then after anyway, so then, and then that happens after the original Captain <gasps> Marvel died, and then you later, um, later on, then when you still have Ms. Marvel, and you also have Rambeau Captain Marvel, then at some point, um. Rambo stops going by the name Captain Marvel, and they introduce Janice Vell, who's like the clone son of the original Marvel, and he starts using the name Captain Marvel. So then, but then, so it's not until <laughs> a whole bunch of iterations later Hold that on. Carol Danvers becomes Captain Marvel. But before that, she goes from Ms. Marvel to Binary to Warbird, and then Captain Marvel. She had to try two <laughs> terrible names before she got to the good one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, binary? Yeah, binary. That's a name. Yeah, it's a name. She yeah. her power was over. She had power over zeros and ones. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's an interesting thing because Carol Danvers lost her Ms. Marvel powers when Rogue absorbed them, 
and she got amnesia. But anyhow, when she was hanging out with the X-Men, the brood kidnapped her, and he did experiments on her, and I said, hey, there's still some weird energy stuff in her, and they accidentally um, opened it up, and she guess how she got an energy form, and they called her binary after a binary star. So then she was not, that's how, why in the movie she did it's all glowy and stuff. That's, she's using the, the super photon blast stuff, because that wasn't a part of Captain Marvel, or Ms. Marvel's powers until the, the brood came along. Oh my god, the look on your face, Jack. <laughs> I am, like, fucking horrified by this continuity. So. This is a mess, and I'm glad we waited till the end to talk, to bring this up. But the but, but my last question, though, so, so Shazam, though, again, was once Captain Marvel, but he's not. He's not Captain Marvel because they figured that it's too annoying to have to call his book something not Captain Marvel, and that basically Shazam is the most... Um, interesting sounding thing about him and it's, he says it all the time anyway so I said why don't we just make Shazam his name since that's his thing that he says all the time that and it'd be dumb. easier I am just picturing like the lawyers like having like an intensive meeting about this the same way that they do about like uh, like the Mueller report <laughs> <laughs> I guess also they figured that if a DC character called himself Captain Marvel that they would probably be doing more free advertising for their competition so they said we do something that's just only us It's but it's just funny that these two movies are coming out within yes. a month of each other yeah but the the guys making the Shazam movie seem like really okay with it, and they're supportive of Bruce sure. Morrison. I'm, I'm actually that's cool, and I'm looking forward to the the Shazam movie actually. Yeah. Oh, all right. And then well, there's, a, there's a new Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. Oh my god, no! Oh, oh. And, so uh, this is like, what, the fifth Mar Ms. Marvel or no, whatever? she's like the second Ms. Marvel. No, 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 wait, wait, you're right. Third Ms. Marvel because there's Sharon Ventura. I was joking! Season, but you reminded me because nobody remembers Sharon Ventura. Anyhow. You can create the Sharon Ventura, like, appreciation society. I really don't care that much about her. Then I'll create it for you. Go, right, Yes. Thank you, Matt. I think we have to give you applause for going through that. And yes. All right. And You're a gentleman and a scholar. And then Monica Rambeau went from being Captain Marvel to Photon to Spectrum. I think she's back to Photon again, maybe. I don't know. And this is why, like, the photon, and this is why my comic book reading is just like, what's the new issue of Daredevil? And that's it. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. I so, think we've said everything we can about Yeah, if you have any more thoughts about this, uh, please uh, uh, go to wagesofcinema gmail.com for email and Facebook, Twitter. Matt, where can you be found? I can be found at mattthecatania.wordpress.com, which he will link in the doobly-doo so you don't have to worry about spelling that. And I'm also on Twitters and the Facebook and the who's he wasn't not. Yes. Yeah. Very good. All right. So uh, next time around, maybe we'll do the not Captain Marvel review. Maybe we'll do something else. We'll see what else is going on there in movie world. Thank you so much for coming back on, Andrew. It was a delight. Uh, well, it was my pleasure. Yes. We well, you're kind of. We've been kind. Of, we've been doing these since Avengers: Age of Ultron. So it seems thing to you know keep doing them until they stop. Yes. Which will be never. <laughs> <laughs> Come play with us forever and ever. There we go. All right. Until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Corey. I'm Andrew. I'm higher, further, faster, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and the ways of cinema is death. Hugs. Good night. I'm not what you think I am.